keep on going that way. Keep on. That's it. She's over there waiting for you. All right. We've got a we've got a special pastor who's coming. And yes, you are a pastor. You share the love of Christ and you are an instrument of God's grace with folks. So Kim, I'm going to ask you to come and and join us and I'm going to kind of stand over here. Can I stand here and she stand there, Mark? Will that work? All right. So Kim Grubb's going to be sharing the word of God with you today. And I'm excited about it because I've had a chance to actually read a little bit about your sermon. But before we do that, I just really want uh, to ask you two questions. And I may change... No, I'm just joking. (laughs) The first question is, um, as we think about what you're going to be preaching about, one of the concepts in one of the scriptures was that God called and sometimes we didn't listen. Have you ever had that experience? Oh my gosh. Uh, About a thousand times over, uh, you know, I think. And... And as I'll talk a little bit more, it's sometimes those small nudges um, that that I get, and it's really easy some days just to keep on going. Um, you know, it's that prompt at a grocery store to to talk to somebody or just to offer some assistance to them, or it's the guy in the street corner that I'm waiting on the light and the nudges, and I just keep on going. So, yeah, there's this multitude of times. Well, I am glad that you heard the nudge and felt the nudge today <laughs> and that you said yes to this because I'm, I'm excited about what you're going to be sharing with us wow. today. So one other, wow, sorry about that. Uh, one other question. Sure. Um, so in 2006, um, I was finishing up my, my, my doctoral work at seminary and I had the opportunity to write a dissertation on the work of certified lay ministry people. And out of that work, I had the, the privilege of being able to write one of the modules of training for that. And then not too long ago, I found out that actually you are in the process of becoming a certified lay minister. Yeah. So first of all, I apologize for module one. It was fine. It was good. It was good. <laughs> because that's what I did. So I apologize for that. But, um, but I, I'm excited about that. A certified lay yeah. minister, I know you know, are people, yeah. are lay people who are called out um, into specialized ministry to, to be the hands and feet of Christ in, in the community, in the world, and in the church. And I know that, that your specialization, um, because people can become specialized right. in that, is going to be parish nursing. So that right. even excites me more. How do you see God's calling to follow me yeah. as being part of, of what you're doing right now? Yeah, so... Um I'll talk a little bit more about it um, here in, in a few minutes. But basically, yeah, the most of my nursing experience has been within the realm of behavioral health to some form or another. The last six years, more focused on dementia care. And that's um, really just really gotten a hold of my heart in helping um, those residents in the nursing facilities that I serve and our staff and how to care, not necessarily for those people but to care with them and for us to, to start working towards changing those those types of things and one thing that really kind of stuck out to me uh, was from a friend of a little bit ago um, and we were having a conversation and in that conversation she talked about a friend of hers and her mother who were attending a church and in a service on a Sunday and the friend relayed to to my friend that the, the 
minister just struck an accord with her mom who was living with dementia and Presbyterian church. And so she was used to, you know, kind of really praising and shouting and, and those types of things. And so something that minister said struck her and she shouted out with all the joy in her heart words that were not appropriate to be in the, the church setting as far as we're concerned. Um, but the intent was her joyous celebration and praise of what the minister was saying. Um, but that was the last time she was in church because of the reaction that she got from others who weren't understanding what was going on and from her daughter's embarrassment of that situation. And that just has stuck with me. It's like I pray that if I have my use my gifts and my talents that have gotten me through my professional career so far to assist us in how we uh, work with our congregation members who are living with dementia and to support those that love them um, so that those situations don't happen. They should be able to participate in our church for as long as they possibly can. They don't forget. God never forgets them. They, we might see that they forget God, but they don't. I see it time and time again when um, we are able to have our church families come visit into our, church, into our um, facilities. The residents respond. They will sing songs that they haven't sung for years. So they don't forget. God's still there, and God certainly doesn't forget them. Sweet. Well, before you take a couple steps up and start praying, uh, start preaching, how about if we pray for you? Oh, please do. I'm going to invite those of you who are in the congregation physically. If you would extend your hand out to Kim, and for those of you who are at home, guess what? You can do that too. Let's pray. Gracious God, pour a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on Kim right now that she might continue the boldness that you have given her in, in sharing your word. Give her your words that she might be an instrument of, of you today as she speaks with us. Lord, we thank you for her. Continue to bless her along this journey of becoming a, a CLM and, and also becoming a parish nurse and, and the work that's so vital that she does for the church and for this world. So Lord, bless her now for the work she is getting ready to do and opening up your word to us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kim. I forgot my glasses. There we go. That's what I forgot. We won't get very far if I don't have my glasses. All right, so I want to start first by giving you a mental health tip for the day. Three deep cleansing breaths will lower your cortisol level, your stress hormone. Some researchers say to about 50%. So if I start taking lots of deep breaths, you'll kind of understand. Uh, and Mark, I'll do my best not to pace too rapidly uh, for you, but I do tend to, to move uh, a bit as I talk. And then the next thing that I would like to do is to take a moment and extend my deep appreciation and thankfulness for our staff and our many volunteers who have so faithfully carried out their calling over these more than 300 days in helping us to be able to worship both here and Good Shepherd at home. So, again, 
thank you all very much for that. So, uh, as I was preparing for our time together today, there are two words that kept coming to my mind. Leaving and casting. And it hopefully has, I go through and I continue to talk about these concepts of leaving and casting, that you too might start to think about your leaving and your casting. So we'll begin this morning with the uh, scriptures uh, for today. And they are found in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verse 10, and in Mark chapter 1, 14 through 20. If you would, we can read those together here. And for those of you joining us through Good Shepherd at Home, please feel free to read them as well. So Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, verse 10. Then the, word of the, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nevada, that great city, and call out against, in, against it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nevada according to the word of the Lord. Now Nevada was a great, exceedingly great, city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nevada shall be overthrown. And the people of Nevada believed God. They called for a fast and put sackcloth on, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 10. When God saw what they had did, how they turned away from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Going on in Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And saying, The time... The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets. And immediately he called them. And he, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, that concept of living, leaving, and we'll start discussing that. In these days of virtual and online communication, isn't discussion kind of an interesting concept? It's kind of hard to do as far as a two-way thing, but we'll do try our very best with it today. Uh, as I was again, reading and preparing for today, I had to reread Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, The word of the Lord 
came to Jonah a second time. A second time. It took me a minute. And I reread the verse again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Well, if there's a second time, then there must have been a first time. So I got to thinking about that. I was like, so then God not just gave Jonah a second chance, but perhaps he also gives us second chances, sometimes thirds and fourths and so on. But going back, do you, do you recall the word that the Lord gave to Jonah the first time? To refresh my memory, I went back and I looked at Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, Arise, go to Nevada, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. Do you remember what Jonah's response was? He fled. Right? He ran. His plan was to hide from God on a boat and go as far away as he possibly could. To give it some perspective on his plan, his planned destination was a place called Tarish. By some estimates, it was more than 3,000 miles in the opposite direction from where God was calling him to go. It was the furthest point westward that Jonah could possibly get to. Pause for a moment. Have you had that huge call from God that seemed overwhelming? Too big? Well, that's probably a whole different series, right? Um, For me, it was kind of like uh, coming up against the first sermon. But have you ever had that call from God that caused you to panic, to flee, to run, and to hide? Have you had a Tarshish? At first I started thinking about the calls that would change our world completely. You know, you could come against that, that thought of those huge things. But then I got to thinking, are there seemingly smaller calls? As Pastor Rick and I were, were talking, I think of those multitudes of times that God's called me to speak to somebody at a store, for me to reach out and hand a love card, or to speak to the person that's standing on the street corner while I'm waiting for the light to change to offer my help to someone, to offer to pray with a resident or to offer to pray with a staff member or sometimes just to listen to them and what is particularly over the last year what has been going on inside our long-term care facilities. In those times, I tend to just go on about whatever it was that I was doing or sometimes it is that I turn and I go the complete opposite way. And in those moments... Am I not fleeing? Am I not traveling to Tarzesh? In those moments, did I miss the opportunity to change the world for that moment, for that person? So those are still calls to leave. They're calls for me to leave where it is that I'm at and what it is that I am doing and to go do something else. And again, it is that God gives us second chances. The second time that the word of the Lord came to Jonah in verse 2, Arise, go to Nevada, that great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation that I am going to tell you. Again, that first call in chapter 1, verse 2, was Arise, go to Nevada, the great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Do you notice the difference between the two? For me, when I looked at that, 
and thought about it. To me, what stood out as the difference was in that first one, this is what I need for you to do. I need for you to go this, but without necessarily the specifics or that he was going to be with Jonah when he did that. So in that second way that he gave Jonah, that second chance, then it was that he gave assurances to him and steps. First, go to Nevada. And then go give this proclamation. But I'm going to tell you what that is. First get there, and then I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to walk you through it. I don't know about you, but I think that might make that change for me. If I know all i got to do is steps rather than this is this huge thing, and I need for you to go do it. So maybe that was that difference for, for Jonah and between his two calls. And the other part that came to me as I was was looking at that and thinking about it, I had a conversation sometime, well, a few years back now, with a pastor from Mount Pleasant in Terre Haute. And we were talking about following God's call and saying, well, how do you know what that is? And how is it that I, how do you do that type type of thing? And his explanation to me in that was that, you know, it's not necessarily that you have to go do the whole big thing. A lot of times it's more that we go from one lamppost to the next lamppost. God knows the huge plan. He knows how to get you there. All I have to do is have an open heart and an open mind to hear His call and then a willingness for, for my feet to go to the first lamppost and go from there. So, if you want to think about that, are there lampposts in your life that maybe you're starting to feel a nudge or you're starting to feel a call and where you would go to? We'll move on into to Mark and taking a look at uh, Simon and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John in relation to their leaving. First, we're given the image in verse 14 of Jesus coming into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, where he stated, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The first part of that is also giving us a timing of when Jesus was there and making that, those statements. And that was after John the Baptist had been arrested, and that's when Jesus was in Galilee. It goes on and it tells us then in the next passage that Jesus was passing along the Sea of Galilee. And as I think about that, I get this image in my head of, of Jesus just kind of walking and strolling along the beach. And as he's doing that, he sees Simon and Andrew. And he calls out to them, Follow me. I will make you become fisher of men. And what was their response? It was immediately they left their nets and followed him. Passage goes on a little farther that Jesus sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and in verse 20, Jesus responds by immediately calling out to them. So he's walking along after Simon and Andrew, and then he sees James and John, and it's an immediate hi, calling out to them. And then after that, it was that uh, James and John left their father and 
and follow. And as I go through, and anytime I see that word, hear the word immediately, it always kind of catches my eye, catches my ear. And that thought of, how do you just immediately do something? And when I looked at Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it defines immediately as without an interval of time or without direct connection or relation. I don't believe that that thought of immediately, at this very moment, leaving everything and going to do something that I know very little about just seems like an impossible type of thing or very difficult to do. Would you not agree? Um, Especially if there's not really any time for preparation and and time to, to put things together. I don't know about you, but now I get to thinking about when I prepare to go on a vacation, right? If I'm preparing to go on a vacation, sometimes that can take me a very long time. kind of depends. If I'm just going for a weekend and it's someplace that I'm familiar with and I know all that I need, that can go fairly quickly. If it's a place I'm going to be to for a while, but it's still familiar, again, it takes me a little bit more time, but I, I prepare and I get things ready to go. Then... If it's someplace far away that I need to, to go to and it's a while, sometimes it might take me a year or better, right? Like a trip to Israel or thereabouts is going to take more time to, to prepare. And so when we think about that immediately in these types of situations, in the, the verses here, could it be that there was some relation between uh, Simon and Andrew and between James and John and Jesus, was there maybe a prodding or, or something setting this up previous that we may not necessarily know at this particular point? But we get that picture of immediately they drop, but was there maybe some time of preparation happening before, before that happened? Um, Can you think of those times where you've been called to, to leave where you are and your response uh, to those types of things? Um, as I think about that, there was a, a weekend afternoon with my, my friend Robin back in, in Terre Haute. And we had this pattern that most weekends, or Saturday or Sunday, we'd get together and we would go run our errands together and that type of a thing. And over the course of a few weeks, she had been talking to me about her and her husband helping with a walk thing of some sort. And they were going to be helping a group of people get going on this walk. And as she kept talking about that, and I was just scratching my head, because at that that point in time I was not in church, hadn't been in church for more years. Uh, Well, God knows, it was a a very long time. Um, and, And so this afternoon we were finishing up and we were going and there was that nudge this little question in the back of my head that said ask ask so I said so Robin how is it that I would go on one of these walks and her response to me was well Kim first you would need to start going to church regularly so my response to that was a immediately after we got done started thinking, where is it that I'm going to start going to church? How am I going to start down that path? 
Lo and behold, that path led to what I found out was that walk, which was an Emmaus walk. Um, El Shaddai, Central Indiana Community, walk number 165, Table of Martha. So um, I can tell you that it was, without a doubt, the most life-changing 96 hours I have ever or I will ever spend on this earth. One day we will get through where we're at, and I pray that our Emmaus walks get going again. And so from there, if anybody has any questions or wants to hear anything further, because I could spend the rest of our afternoon talking, um, I'll be happy to, to do that. Um, so that was that, that. And that started from that question of mine to Robin. And then that started down this other path of, of uh, me. And again, with my friend Robin, this is now a little while longer, probably a year or so later. We're sitting at a baseball game, and this thought, this question popped in my head. You need to ask. Okay? And my friend Robin had been talking to me off and on for several months about a new job that she had taken and how she loved it, and it was amazing. And all these things that she's able to do and working with people living with dementia and what was going on. And it just enthralled me from where I was. And there were a lot of other things happening within our lives at that point in time. And again, that would probably be topic for another discussion. But back to, to this. And so that question popped in my head. Okay, so Robin, how do I get a job like yours? And her response back to me was, well, Kim, you can't have my job. Because <laughs> hers was the only one in Terre Haute. And I said... Yes, I know that. But how do I get a job like yours? And so at that moment, we knew the response, and if I followed through, there was a leaving that was going to be involved with that. And there was. It led me to taking a position um, like hers, but down here in Nashville with the same long-term care company. And that led our family to relocating down here in Hendersonville and joining with all of you. And again, it started with that one question in the middle of a ballpark on an, on an evening. And then one last question or circumstance that I'll, I'll talk about, which got me to where I kind of am here. It was a Sunday after our services, and Pastor Jeremy was probably right about over here. Uh, and he said, hey, Kim, have you ever thought about parish nursing? And I said, no. And in my mind, I said, well, I don't even have a clue what is a parish nurse. Never had heard of that thing. Um, and he said, well, and particularly within caring for dementia, people living with dementia. And again, I said, well, no. But it was that immediate, okay, prompt. At this point, I've had three chances and probably more than that to figure this out. I get answered our question once, and it's going to lead me somewhere. And so for now, it's led me to this path of um, completing the, certifi- the classes for the CLM and then awaiting uh, the final certification from the District Commission on Ordained Ministry, and then at that point, applying for the parish nurse um, certification.
And more specifically, I really do feel that calling that, and God knows where the path will lead. But uh, for now, I, I kind of see that working within our congregation, and that has to the care of people living with dementia and supporting the families and their loved ones um, with that journey. So could your net that you're being called to leave, could it, could it be that you're being called to leave something behind? Because in order for me to go, a lot of times it is that I have to, to leave. I have to change. I have to move directions. And sometimes, again, that's really difficult for, for us to think about just leaving and changing abruptly. Sometimes I like to think of it as shifting. Shifting seems like a much better thing. I just had to kindly move here, and then I can shift more. And as I, I think about that, I, I, the vision that I get or the image that pops in my mind is this one that you've probably seen as well. And it's one where, where Jesus is squatted down a little bit. There's a little girl in front of him who's clinging to her stuffed bear. And Jesus has this huge bear that barely fits behind his back, behind him. He's reaching and asking for the, the bear and saying, trust me. Could it be he's also saying, come follow me. Put that aside. Let me help you. Let me give you your big stuffed teddy bear. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, And so one last thought about that. Are there nets that Jesus is asking you and I to leave to follow him? And you put that in the back of your mind. Ponder that for a while. And we'll shift gears a little bit. And we'll talk about the casting part. So we go back and we think about Jonah's cast. And scripture tells us that Nevinah was a great city. It was three days in breadth. And looking back at it, in those times it was estimated that that city was about 65 to 70 miles in width. And it had a population of about 120,000 people. Now, I don't know about you, but that would seem a bit overwhelming to me. If God told me to go to this city that's three days' breadth and has 120,000 people in it, and I'm going to give you a proclamation to say, I would have a tendency to want to flee and run as well. But Jonah didn't. That was his cast. His cast was to go for those, for those people. And then I wonder about how Jonah said the proclamation that God gave to him. Was it like, hey, 40 days and Nevada shall be overthrown? Could it be like, hey guys, you know what? In 40 days, Nevada is going to be overthrown. Or was it that he went in to the city and said, yeah, 40 days and Nevada will be overthrown. However he said it, he got their attention. Was it that he only had to go a third of the way into the city because he was able to cast his net enough for the people to, to understand what he was saying? So, are there of you guys, fisher men, fisher women, fisher people, whatever correct terminology you want to use, 
I know that there's at least a few out there. Um, at least they said they were going to be watching online. So um, I don't know that I would actually call myself a fisherman. Uh, Dan and some of my friends would probably agree. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, Dan said yeah. So I wanted to make sure he was still awake. Um, so I do like and I enjoy sitting on a boat, sitting on a dock, or sitting at a water's edge with a line in the water. Although, quite honestly, I just prefer for the hook to be completely empty. Because I don't know, there's just something about trying to take this slimy, squirmy, sticky worm and trying to thread it on this tiny little hook. And don't even, I won't even touch a cricket. And no, we're not going. We're not even going there. But then there comes that point where occasionally you'll end up with that fish that decides to, to get on the hook even if it's empty. <laughs> like, yeah. So that, that next challenge of fishing for me is taking the fish off, off that hook. It's like, could you just stay still? Look, buddy, I really want to help you out. I didn't want to catch you. <laughs> so it's a challenge, and I am not that, that fisher person. I, some days it's either quite hysterical to watch me fish, or it's quite frustrating. It depends upon the view that you have. Um, sorry, I, I digress again a little bit with that. But the thing is, there's lots of ways to cast for a fish, right? We have all kinds of different fishing poles. They have stringers. They have all kinds of different nets out there. Each one of them has their own way that you're supposed to use them. And each fisher person, fisherman pretty much has their own technique as well. You talk to any one of the fishermen and they're going to have their own specific way or their very specific um, processes that they go through to, to cast and, and to fish. And so I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, so is it not that each one of us with our own unique gifts and our own unique talents have our own ways in which we are meant to go out and we are to cast our nets to bring people into the kingdom of God. And I believe that he will use, when we offer those up to him, uh, to use us uh, for the betterment, again, of the kingdom of God. Part of my, most of my nursing, as I, I kind of talk to you guys a little bit too, has been within the realm of behavioral health uh, or dementia, working with people living with dementia or related education component thereabouts. And so when I'm working with staff and trying to talk with them to teach them, one of the things that takes probably most of my time is talking with them about their communication, more specifically their nonverbal communication. It's not necessarily the words that they say, but it is their actions and it is their nonverbal communication that speaks much louder than any words that they would say. Researchers vary as far as the degree as to how much communication is nonverbal versus verbal, but a pretty common one out there is that 93% of our communication is nonverbal. It's our actions and our body language that speak. It's the emotions that we leave with people that will tend to stick. 
more so than any of the words that come out of my mouth. So then by that, as we look at casting our our nets, then is it not that it's our actions as Christians, our body language as Christians, that will speak much louder than any words that we say? I don't know, but what I find unique, I guess, about the United Methodist folks that I know, we tend to be pretty quiet when it comes to shouting and talking to people about coming into the kingdom of God. Um, And so it is, I believe, and one of the things that draws me, because typically those that know me really well know that this is way out of my comfort zone, that I am an introvert through and through. So it's really my actions and how it is that I demonstrate the love of Christ to others that I believe is my casting or how I go out and hopefully impact others to come into the kingdom of God. There's a a song that I've heard over the last few days, and it's a, a newer song by Zach Williams. It's called Less Like Me. Some of you may have already heard it. As I was listening to the words... It spoke to me about, there are some of them that spoke to me about casting a net. And so part of those lyrics include, Oh, I have days I lose the fight. Try my best, but just don't get it right. Well, I talk a walk that I don't walk, and I miss the moments right before my eyes. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped, somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just don't see past myself, Oh, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy a little more like grace a little more like kindness goodness love and faith a little more like patience a little more like peace a little more like jesus a little less like me yeah there's no denying i've been changed because i've been saved from who i used to be but even at my best i must confess i still need help to see the way you see Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, oh Lord, help me be. As Jesus and the disciples were in the upper room over the last during their last Passover meal, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. I had to be very cautious of my Hoosierisms. In John chapter thirteen, fourteen to fifteen. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Farther down into the, into the chapter, uh, John chapter 13, verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. Verses 34 to 35. A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is then by my action, by our actions, of loving one another, has Jesus loved us, loved me, that everyone will know that we, 
I am a disciple of Jesus. Has he shown you? He's shown me unconditional love. Has he shown you? Has he shown me grace and mercy when I certainly did not deserve it? Has he hugged, tugged at your heart saying, Come, follow me. Has Dana and the praise band sang a little, uh, will sing for us. There's a song that often pops in my mind that comes from Chris Tomlin, I Will Follow. And the part of the song that tends to get stuck in my head, Who you love, I'll love. How you'll serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I will serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. So how will we answer that call for him? How will we, you and I, widen and cast out our nets? Will we share the good news with others? Will our actions speak louder than our words? And lastly, from here, Jonah 3.5, And the people of Nevada believed God. They called for a fast and put on a sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. May we be a people of Nevada. Amen. In final closing, um, if you would please join me in reading these scriptures from Psalm 62 and receiving the invitation of Jesus. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For my hope is from Him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay all according to their work. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's stand together and sing, I will follow.
As Kim was sharing in the psalm, I was reminded that, you know, over the last long time now, my emotions, my feelings, my anxiousness has been going up and down and all over the place. One of the things that I've started doing for myself is, is reading through the psalms intentionally. I do other readings, but I started at Psalm 1, and I am reading through the collection. Because in the, the, the collection of psalms, I think that you find just about every emotion known to humankind. And the interesting thing is God never gets mad. I, I, I get I get on myself because I get mad. I get mad at God because I feel like God is so far away. And, and then I'm like, wow, I'm telling God who I know is with me that he's so far away. And as I've been reading through the Psalms, I found hope. And I found comfort and peace. So I would challenge you, if you're struggling right now, keep up your, your other reading. But, but, but take some time in that amazing poetry of the Psalms and see how, how the people of God have gone through so many emotions and yet through it all God is, has, and will be faithful, no matter who we are. You know, it's just an amazing thing for me. So our response today to the benediction, I will read a sentence and as I pause I would encourage you to say simply, follow me. As you go into the world, follow me. At home or your household, at school and work. Follow me. In everything you do this week. Follow me. And as you do, remember that God is with you always, even to the end of the world. May the grace and peace of the God who loves you and is with you, even to the end of the world, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you this day and every day. Go follow. Amen. Amen.